covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak wrapping up the final week of organized team activities for the Black and Gold. The media got to see their last session of the voluntary workouts. Next week, we'll be starting mandatory minicamp where those attendance numbers really matter. Uh, we'll be getting into some of the sound we got. Also, playing a little game with uh, the Saints stock market, who are our uh, risers and fallers from our three sessions that we got to see during these workouts. And the big one, Jeff, obviously, the last session, the return of number 13. Yes. <laughs> Mike freaking thomas who steve is busy taking unflattering pictures of from side angles at the podium geez man get it together no um, yeah i've said oh it looks like he's had too many charbroiled oysters or he's pregnant but definitely an unflattering pick i don't think mike's as bulky as he looks but definitely not in pristine shape yet no i mean he he's he's a guy who's been dealing with foot injuries for the last three years right foot and ankle injuries he probably isn't in the greatest shape right now that's okay, right? You got plenty of time. I'm not yeah. worried about it. The picture uh, does make me feel better about my gut. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're people too. Weird. It's crazy how that works. But all right. Yeah, we're going to get into this. So we're going to talk a bit about Michael Thomas. We're going to get into Bobby Bear's take on attendance because I wanted to put a bow on that. We're going to hear from Dennis Allen on a few different topics. In the second segment, we're going to I trimmed down a good bit of the Derek Carr interview. So we're going to play a big chunk of that. and We're going to talk about it. Yeah, and then in the final segment, as you mentioned, we're going to play the Saints version of the stock market, which thankfully it's the Saints version, not the real version, because that means that people, there actually are climbing stocks as opposed to reality where, eh, anyway, I don't want to talk yeah. about it. But yeah, so <laughs> first things first, I made a big deal about about Bobby's take on Mike Thomas showing up to practice, which did Bobby shame Mike into showing up? Like, I, I do kind of feel like that's a possibility. <laughs> because I mean, I don't know. Maybe he planned to show up all along, but the fact is, Bobby made a big deal about it, and then he was there. So, no, I totally gave him his props again. Um, last season, I was like, "Well, you were the one that was all over Andy Dalton being the head of Jameis Winston," and by this season, you called out Michael Thomas, and poof, he shows up at voluntary workouts. Like we said, we fully expect him at the mandatory mini camp, but for Mike to come out that last day. It was like that light shining down in your room when he came out onto the field. And I heard the the angels singing, ah, you know, and number 13 strode out there. It was pretty, it was, it was an unexpected, huge positive that, you know, we've heard, we've heard all the talk about how committed and how much he wants to be a part of this team, obviously. And coming out for the voluntary workouts to me does says a lot. Yeah. And you know, we <laughs> before I get into the Bobby clip, I do want to play the clip from Derek McCoy because if you're wondering, it was it was a surprise to us, but it was also <laughs> a surprise to the team. 
So if you were wondering whether this was kind of a plan and everyone was kind of aware, yeah, Mike's going to be here for the third session, at least from an offensive line perspective, that was not the case. Here's what Eric McCoy said. Did you guys know Michael Thomas was going to run out on the field today? No, but I'm glad he's here and I'm glad he's back. And I mean, I saw him working off to the side and he, he's ready. What can that, you know, just do for the team seeing a guy like that come out here to voluntary practices? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you look at what he's done in the past. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. And just having him back out there working with us during a voluntary moment, it's it's exciting because you see that he's he's ready and he's working. They didn't know. Uh, you know, maybe the wide receivers knew. Maybe the coaches knew. I don't know. Maybe Derek Carr knew. I'm sure they text. But, you know, Mike's out there and his teammates are glad to see him. I'm glad to see him. Bobby's glad to see him. And with that in mind, here is kind of the follow up. I do feel like I have to follow up on this because I said, "Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna complain about Mike Thomas, you have to keep that same energy for all the other guys." And in th- and now you look at it like Mike Thomas did show up, right? So what about these other guys that we just ignored and pretended it's no big deal that they're not here? Uh, but here's what here's what Bobby had to say yesterday on the show. Well, we need everybody out there. You know, I got a text earlier, and I said I should have mentioned this. Uh, I mean, I don't know. If you're a leader on the team and you've established yourself, uh, I think uh, whether it's voluntary or not, it's not too demanding. Because when uh, pro football's over, it's over. Hmm. Then you can uh, be a hermit or be an introvert and have your lifestyle, but uh, that's why I respect uh, like the Cam Jarns and Demario Davis uh, of the uh, of the world, and and they're leading their team. And it's not just Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas showing up. Uh, where in the hell is Taysom Hill? I think he's an upstanding citizen. Uh, but where's Taysom Hill? Or even Alvin Kamara? Aren't you part of this team, Alvin Kamara? You still be part of the team? Uh, whatever comes about in Las Vegas, uh, the end of July. So I'm just looking at like Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, uh, so where's Lattimore? He's getting full. Uh, I mean, uh, what, what is he? But as a uh, former player, did you did you have voluntary workouts in your time? No, we had a mandatory mini camp, and, and then they didn't even have like you you, you train <laughs> and 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 all. you wouldn't do your own thing. But if the coaches wanted you there, you'd always show up. Uh, I was like, going to say for voluntary, like, if it was a voluntary workout, would you be there? Hell yes! I, I'm trying to prolong my career. <laughs> I, I'm I, look. I, I'm not like individual tennis player or a golfer. I'm playing a team sport. So wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be the best example for my team. I mean, I, that's what I said. Okay, like where, like offensive line, we can't even put our offensive line together. So whether it's Ryan Ramchek or whether it's Andrews Pete and all, what is Andrews Pete? He's in the freaking desert. What he's hanging out in Arizona. I mean, uh, he's getting treatment on something. Hopefully, no. Okay, if the team guarantees you forty million dollars, I'd freaking go to Siberia or whatever. Uh, are we gonna hang out as a team, have some camaraderie? Yeah, because it's the whole year round relationship. But I don't know. They got different players, and there's so much money, and they feel like they could do what they want. So yeah, I will be give Bobby credit. He is calling out everybody, so that's fair. <laughs> what I what I thought was funny though, too, listening to it again when he says. Where the freak is Taysom Hill? He's an upstanding citizen. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I think he he means that in the sense of he is a does anything asked of him type player, right? I think when you're talking about Mike Thomas compared to Taysom Hill in the arrival sense, it is this team has bent over backwards to accommodate Mike Thomas, right? And, and that definitely. can't be argued. They definitely have. And I think that's part of the sentiment when it comes to Mike of, man, this team has done everything it could possibly do 
to accommodate your injuries and include you into this group and prop you up as the star, right? Even though you have not been on the field for the past three years, every, every word from the front office, everything, it's like, no, Mike's the guy. He's still the guy. I get it. He hasn't played, but he's still the guy. Taysom Hill, it's like, hey, Taysom, you're tight end now. <laughs> and he's like, good deal. Uh, <laughs> and like in the back of my head, you're like, is he really happy about it? I don't know, but he's never going to say that. He's never going to come out and be like, this is this is malarkey. I want to be a quarterback. Trade me to somewhere they'll play me at quarterback, right? Give me a chance to be the quarterback. Let me compete to be the backup. He's not going to say that. So I think that's what Bobby means when he says upstanding citizen. But because of the Saints and the situation they're in with Alvin Kamara and Marcus May and like literally facing criminal charges about stuff, I think there is also the element of that, too. Like, you're not worried about Taysom getting into a 4 a.m. bar fight. So <laughs> that's that's part of it, too. Yeah, with, with Taysom, I mean, the I think we had the question, or it might have been with one of the guys, you know, we're talking at practices. When he does come, obviously, uh, ob- uh, next week for the mandatory sessions, wondering if it's still going to be in that tight end group. And I think Dennis Allen made that clear uh, yeah. and the, the, that, yeah, he's still going to be working – with that group kind of deal. Yeah, there, there's no gray area. I know I know. Bobby talked about it with Nick Underhill on the show a few days ago, maybe last week. And, you know, they were talking about, oh, maybe they'll shift him into the running back room. Maybe they'll do something else with him because, I mean, yeah, he's not really a tight end, or at least he didn't play tight end last year. But, I mean, there was no thought. I mean, it was an immediate, like, oh, he's still going to be, like, nothing's going to change with his role in yeah. terms of Taysom Hill. But, you know, I, I do think that, maybe that's a sign that he's going to get more involved in that part of the game. Like that's the question to me is not necessarily where he lines up. Are you going to actually use him as a tight end? Cause if you do, then it makes sense to me. If you're going to continue to run him as a quarterback, the way you have, then why would you just make, why are you wasting his time? Is the, I guess the question, right? Like why that can't be beneficial for him to stand, sit in the tight end room. If, if he's not doing any tight end things. Yeah. And what's funny or with this saints team of, you know, that big question of this tight end group going into organized team activities, at least suddenly we're spilling over with a bunch of guys, obviously with the additions of Foster Morrow and now even a Jesse James who talked about, you know, getting to be early in someone's camp. He hadn't been able to do that in a couple of years. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, he said he said a few things. So, so here's that audio. We're gonna play it right here. We, we didn't talk a lot. You know, he doesn't sound like a very talkative guy, but I do think he is happy to get a chance to just compete throughout the off season, right? Because it's something he hasn't had a chance to do probably since he was with the Steelers. But here, here's that audio. But how did this all come together with you signing with the Saints? I uh, just came in, worked out, and got signed. Like I said, I, I knew Clancy uh, from my days in Chicago. So having a working relationship with him definitely helps. Um, this is the first time I've been signed before camp in a couple of years, so it's been it's been good. What have been your early impressions of the offense? Uh, I like it. I like the style. Um, you know, the, the, they've been here for a while. The offense has been uh, here for a long time, so they have different nuances and uh, just learn it day by day and take it as it goes. How would you say um, the way your career has gone so far has affected or influenced your outlook on this whole pro football thing and what are you, what are you hoping for? Uh, my outlook, um, still love the game, still, still have more left in me to, to give, so... 
excited where I'm at going into year nine. Uh, just taking one day at a time and enjoy it while, while it lasts. Was that you catching that down, like a back shoulder seam? Yeah. Right red zone? Yeah. Just kind of talk about that play. I, know it was, I think it was James that threw it to you, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yep. Just like, worked linebacker over the, open, the middle of the field and just, uh, you know, he put it in there good. So just a simple play makes it easy whenever he, he has uh, the space to throw it in the back shoulder. Jesse, is this position unique in any way with regards to the other tight ends on the team? I mean, compared to other teams you've been on with, you know, Juwan and Foster as part of this tight end room? Um, you know, it, it's hard to tell this early um, exactly how the roles play out and things go. Um, but excited excited to work with these guys. They're a great group. Um, a lot of talent in the room, so, so it's going to be a fun year for us. Is it, is it also cool to know that I guess there's a lot of new faces, so it's not like you're you're brand new because there's a new quarterback, new running back, new tight ends that are brought in? Yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, um, I, last year I signed in September. The year before that I signed the first day of camp. So having this extra couple weeks is going to be good for me to just kind of train what I'm training for in the offseason is going to be easier for me. Yeah, to me, that said, obviously, for some guys, for a lot of guys, these OTAs are important as much as we kind of laugh and brush them off. They're voluntary. There's no real contact going on. But you heard right there how, you know, glad this veteran is to be early on in the camp because he hasn't had that experience the past couple of years. Yeah, and so if you're watching, uh, you know, the highlights from yesterday's practice, which you can find them on YouTube if you're, you know, watching the or listening to this podcast, there is a YouTube version where we're playing some clips in the background. Jesse is number 81. Uh, I think that was Nick Vanette this time last year. And, they, you know, kind of a similar build, right? Just big dude, yeah. kind of your, your profile is a blocker. But he did catch some passes. I think it was Sean Fazen that pointed out that he caught a touchdown pass from J- Jameis Winston in the red zone drills. It was one of multiple instances where Nick Anderson got kind of picked on in coverage a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's where if I'm Nick Anderson, that's the part of my game that I'm trying to clean up because you're going to get targeted like that. You got to hold up in coverage. If you're going to be an undersized linebacker, cause you have to be a cover linebacker, but Jesse James was able to catch a touchdown. I did think, I think it was Jack Collada that pointed out, and I think it's a good point. You know, if, for, if you're joining a tight end room for, you know, a new, a, as a new guy, as a veteran, who is just looking for a chance to contribute. This is a pretty good tight end room to join, right? Like, I mean, Adam Troutman's gone. Jawan Johnson is entrenched. Taysom Hill is still there. But again, we talked about like his role doesn't really exist as a tight end. Right. So if I'm Jesse James, I'm like, you know what? Why not me? Right? Like they did sign Foster Morrow and I'm sure he's going to get his chances. But, you know, what if Jesse James outplays Foster? What if he is the better option? And they're starting from square one at the same time, you know, and, and if Foster is not able to hold up as a blocker in certain instances, and you just need a big guy to be a tight end, I think Jesse James has a chance to contribute. So I just think it's a good point. Like this isn't a tight end room where you're just adding camp bodies, which I think you could say in the past when you had a Jared Cook and a Josh Hill, you added a body in camp and it was like, they're not making the roster. Like we know what the roles are. Right now, I think there's some rules up for grabs on this team, and I think Jesse, as much as anybody, has a chance to to make an impact. Uh, one thing on Foster Morrow, uh, after the organized team activity session, you know, we get to do some locker room time, and for whatever reason, he decided when he left the locker room, he was just going to shut off all the lights, and I happened to be standing next to Demario Davis's son, and he's looking at me going, what's going on? What happened? And I was just like, oh, Foster left the room and is being a jokester and shut the lights off kind of thing. No big deal. We didn't lose power or anything. But yeah, he was joking. 
yeah, yeah. Like a prank? yeah for whatever reason Morrow decided when i leave the locker room i'm shutting off all the lights and i was like okay and i, I mean obviously it's not my <laughs> go over and turn the lights back on so i was i was waiting for someone else to do it but yeah clearly saw him do that and it was just a kind of funny thing i guess you can he's already comfortable of messing with the guys that camaraderie whatever you want to call it building there so uh yeah i see like he might be one of the jokesters quote unquote in the locker room yeah i wasn't able to be in there yesterday I had some scheduling mishaps and obviously i had to come on and do a podcast uh on tuesday rather uh but you know i imagine it gets pretty dark and there's no windows right <laughs> no that's why i was like uh what's going on and i was like well that dude over there when he left he shut the lights off like you probably had like the light from the the, the kind of equipment area and, that's and the tv about... <laughs> yes the tv yeah, i guess there are tvs that that gives some light yeah yeah interesting okay but yeah you know I, I one thing that that stood out that you know it, it's hard to quantify as you're kind of writing stuff up and you're talking about it there's a lot of energy at that practice for, yes. for an ota session you know it felt kind of like a like a mid training camp session where you're kind of getting geared up like there was a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of chirping from the defense to the offense. You know, it's part of it's being in red zone drills indoors, which when you're indoors doing red zone drills, the defensive players who are not lining up on the field are lined up at the back of the end zone. So they're just like, you know, cheering and going rah-rah, which doesn't – it happens outside, but not quite to that same level. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And uh, on that front, you know, if anyone's hopeful for the Saints – to be included in hard knocks. They are one of the four teams that yeah. could potentially land on hard knocks. And if you're wondering whether the team, the coaching staff <laughs> is interested in that, here is a pretty definitive, uh, definitive statement on that front. You guys are one of the four teams that could be forced on the hard knocks. How, how would you just feel about that if, if it was the same? I wouldn't like it. Yeah. Why not? Because I just want to focus on our football team and getting better. And any distractions are exactly that. They're just distractions that keep you from ultimately reaching your goal. To me, this is kind of funny just because, uh, not with the Saints, but just in general, what are we waiting for? We know it's going to be the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, uh, you know, you talk about it like, okay, the Saints could potentially be that team. But, I mean, if the goal is for the most eyeballs possible to watch it, of course it's going to be the Jets. Like, come on. It's a it's the New York market, then it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, like maybe they pick the Saints just because <laughs> they don't you want know it. it would irk them off, right? Because <laughs> yeah. because it definitely would annoy Dennis. Like you can tell. Like he's like, no, please do not force us to do this. We don't want it. Uh, and I understand why they don't want it. I don't want it. So you know that that's kind of a like if that did happen, that would be so obnoxious. <laughs> From a coverage perspective. I guess, yeah, you know what? The hard knocks is kind of like our escape from Saints camp. So I, it would be kind of like, oh, so we go to Saints training camp and then we come home and we watch more Saints training more camp Saints on HBO. Training camp, yeah. Right? Yeah. I I honestly, you know, I get why people like hard knocks. I've never been a huge fan of it because like, you know, I, I, I spend all day dealing with it. I don't want to yeah. go home and watch more training camp. Like that's not I want to go home and watch mindless stuff. Like, I want to watch the final season of Barry, even though the new app won't let me. For the most part, it's really not that entertaining. But when uh, I thought the Lions one was just because we had some former Saints, so kind of had some rooting interest in it. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be entertaining if you're a huge Saints fan and you don't spend all day out watching the Saints. I, I get why yeah. fans might want the Saints to be on Hard Knocks. So, like, from that perspective, I get it. Personally, I don't want them to. 
Um, so we could be on HBO though, or Max yeah. now. I guarantee you, we would end up on that in some capacity. Like we would see ourselves because they just do all the recording, right? Like we're in there in all those interviews. Like uh, they they did that like promo before I think Thursday Night Football last year, and we were included in that. Like the WWL coverage was included in that because NFL Films was there. But yeah, so we'll see. I I mean, I think it's possible. But again, like you said, the other teams, what commanders and bears, is it? I'm not sure. I'd have to double check. Bears, commanders, Jets, Saints is the four. And it's like, come on. You know, it's not going to be the bears or the commanders. Because like the the only allure the Saints have, like if it, if this was just another season, if this was last year, right? If Andy Dalton was the quarterback, you'd be like, no way they're going to to the Saints. You have Derek Carr. So there's there's that extra bit. But generally speaking, I don't I don't think the Saints market size is going to be very attractive to the hard knocks producers. Like, why would it be? It's the smallest market. I guess maybe we have a little bit of drama, obviously, with the Camara case coming at the end of July. So that'd be some cons- uh, controversial sure. stuff to talk about. Uh, the new quarterback, yeah, second-year head coach fighting for his – there are good storylines. I just don't know, yeah, if they're as interesting to folks outside of the New Orleans region, whereas yeah. the Jets, obviously, the New York market and Aaron Rodgers is going to have that mass appeal, I guess you would say. Yeah, and the fact is if the if the networks thought the Saints were going to be a big ratings draw, they might have a <laughs> primetime game this season. They really don't. You have Monday night in, in week two, and then you have two Thursday night games. The rest are noon starts. And it like that's very much the network saying we don't think people are going to watch you. Like we're not putting you on national television because we don't we we want we want the teams that people are going to watch. Um, so maybe that changes. I don't know. Maybe they get flexed into some primetime spots late in the season. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I think that tells you all you need to know. But all right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about Derek Carr. First things first. I do want to mention we have a Twitter account now. Um, I actually changed the Twitter handle since I told you what the Twitter handle was, which is probably bad form, but I think we're still early enough that I can get away with it. (laughs) So I decided to do it and only because it's available and it's just a lot easier to say than the one I had initially created, which if you search for inside black and gold, you'll find us. But the actual Twitter handle is at saints underscore pod, which the fact that it was available at all felt like a steal to me so even though it has nothing to do with the show other than saints i felt like it made sense so if you are looking for the podcast the inside black and gold twitter account go to twitter.com backslash saints underscore pod and you'll find us thought that was some premium real estate that i was able to get in on so go go check that out we're going to be posting a lot of camp videos from that i'm going to push a lot of the camp videos and obviously show content to that account so if you'd like to keep up with the show interact with the show make sure to go check that out no excited to keep growing some more and we'll see what's next on the horizon yeah so uh keep it locked on inside black and gold rate subscribe all that jazz we'd have on inside black and gold segment number two of three if you were keeping score at home i'm jeff nowak at jeff underscore nowak on twitter he's steve geller wwl on twitter he's also steve geller in real life and you can follow inside black and gold on twitter at saints underscore pod so check that out um but in this segment i want to get into you know could take a deep dive into 
Derek Carr in his press conference. So I went ahead and I, and I trimmed it down to about 10 minutes. He talks a lot. That's one thing we're learning about Derek Carr. He does not do short press conferences. I guess he would if we didn't ask any questions. But at the same time, I think maybe he wouldn't. Maybe if we didn't ask him any questions, he would just start talking because that guy talks. That guy is interesting when he talks. You know, we, <laughs> I think one of the reasons Andy Dalton had short press conferences last year is because he had nothing interesting to say. But, you know, when you ask him questions, he gives you real answers. And I, I, I feel like I learn stuff when he talks. You know, and it kind of reminds me of the Drew Brees press conferences where, like, you know, I will ask him legitimate, like, strategy-type questions, and he will give you actual answers where you kind of actually get something out of it. And I don't think that's true of every quarterback. Um, and, you know, you, he like, he got asked about John Gruden. And in a lot of cases, you could probably say, you know, he – He'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. He gave a legitimate answer and, you know, you, you're like, okay, cool. You know, and, and I don't think, I, I, I don't think, I, I won't take that for granted because, you know, that's just, it's one of the few opportunities you have to get actual insight into what's going on on the field beyond what you are seeing from someone who's actually doing it. And, you know, I think it, he's interesting to listen to and I've appreciated it thus far. Totally agree with that. You know, obviously, you know, we get to deal with a bunch of press conferences from coaches, players kind of deal. And typically you get a lot of player speak, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Uh, Last season, Andy Dalton, you're right. It it was not particularly interesting. You have very vanilla, bland answers. And maybe that's just Andy Dalton. But yeah, I've, I've found Derek Carr to be way more interesting getting to learn, obviously, more about him. And hearing him talk, yeah, you're, you're right. You feel like you're learning stuff as well. I totally appreciate it. And it doesn't feel like he's giving you that standard answer. It's really coming from the heart or just, you know, speaking from his mind. It's not it's not rehearsed. Yeah, and I think, like, there's, there's a lot of different ways you could talk to the media. Like, so some guys are very cliche-driven. Like, Mike Thomas, I thought yesterday, very cliche-driven. And that's fine. You know, like, it's just, you know, it's part of the job and you do it. And some people do it differently than others. I think Derek answers questions the way he does because he doesn't know any other way. And I felt that way about Drew, too. Like, Drew is just, his, 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 the way his brain worked is he's just trying to answer questions. It's how he plays, right? Like, he sees something, he's coming up with an answer, and he's delivering it. And, you know, you kind of get the same impression from Derek. And it's almost to a fault at times, I think. You know, like, I don't think he's necessarily always wanting to give that much information away, but sometimes he does. Uh, Sean was like that, too. Sean was very much like he was very guarded until you kind of got him going, until you kind of got him in storytelling mode. And then he would tell you stuff that he probably shouldn't say. Like, you know, you got a Walmart greeting job available for you if you keep throwing interceptions, which is what he said about the backup quarterback for the Broncos. (laughs) Like probably thinks about that afterward being like you know what probably shouldn't have said that but you know when you are getting him going and you're hearing something he will give you those nuggets of information like uh who was it jack jeff driscoll i think the quarterback Uh, either way um oh the back of denver yeah yeah i don't Uh, know offhand honestly i couldn't tell you but either way like i think that's kind of what we're getting with Derek carr i'm looking forward to during the season Knowing that this is how he operates, you know, I think those post-game press conferences are going to be very, very intriguing to listen to. And, and we'll see. But here's that clip from Derek Carr. It's about 10 minutes long to, for, for a disclaimer, like the recording we got does not really include the questions. So I'm going to go through and prop up the questions. I'm not the one asking the questions, so I'm not going to phrase it as a question, but I'm kind of going to explain what he's going to be talking about, play the clip, 
and then kind of go from there. So if you're confused, this is not how the actual press conference went. I have kind of doctored this a bit so that you're not constantly guessing what Derek's talking about as it's going through because it's not always easy to mic up the person asking the question and the person answering the question. So without further ado, here is that Derek Carr presser from the final open practice of organized team activities. If we ever miss something, like, I don't care if it's pass interference, which, you know what I mean? Like, it might have been. <laughs> I'd like to, I like talking trash. Uh, you know, like, no matter what, if we don't hit it, I, especially, you probably won't see it a lot, but during the season, you know, training camp, you know, we're trying to get all the reps in. There's a lot of time, time restrict, all that. Um, but if I can try and fit it in right then, I'd try and get that rep again. So I, that's just something I've always done. Uh, if I can't do it right then, it's, it's after practice. I already, the wideouts know if, hey, if we miss anything, you know, if there's something, I want you to remind me after practice because I'm going to be there to work. Come, come find me. And if, you know, a young guy forgets, I'll throw it to somebody else, you know. Uh, but it's, it's, it's getting those reps again to where it just, nope, I feel perfect. I feel great about it. So then on Sunday, no, I've done it. I've already done it. I've already corrected it, you know. And, again, you try and complete them all, um, which has never been done, you know. But you try your best to do it. And so uh, it's always striving for that perfection is what I believe in. And knowing that you'll probably never, never get there, but you – you know, you're going to wake up every morning and try. Here, Derek Carr was asked about what his expectations are for the preseason in the Saints, whether he expects to play, wants to play, et cetera. Yeah, for me, um, you know, I've, you know, this will be 10 years of, you know, football and live bullets. And so I, I haven't played much in the preseason before. Um, I think maybe with Gruden, one or two total series in four years. Um, there were some, you know, um, times that I didn't play at all in the preseason. And we'd still, you know, play good in the first couple weeks. So it, it proved to me that, you know, if you practice the right way and you do things with those like joint practices, I don't know if we have them or not, but if whenever you have those, like those are, those are better than preseason reps because you actually get, they actually show stuff. You know, they show the pressures, they show different coverages rather than what they show in the preseason, you know? And uh, so that's just how it's been. Now, if they want me to play, I, I'm not against playing. I, anytime I have the opportunity to put, put that jersey on and, it's a blessing to walk out on that field. So if they need me to play, I'll play. You know, you only play 30 plays, I'll play 30 plays. You only play a whole half, I may question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, but I'll play. You know, it's like I'm never going to, you know, feel like I, I don't need it. You know, I'll, if you need me to play it, I think the coaches will probably want me to probably want to see me, you know, throw a couple in their jersey, <laughs> you know. Uh, so we'll see. We haven't even talked about it, if I'm honest. But if I play, awesome. If not, we'll make sure we're ready to go on week one. Here's Derek Carr talking about a portion of the Saints practice on Tuesday where all three quarterbacks just kind of broke off and worked individually with Michael Thomas, which is kind of an unusual situation. Yeah, so like I was going over certain plays, like just new plays for me and uh, just getting used to throwing all those reps. And so he was spotting up those routes for me, just where he would be and in the same spot. So also he can come out of the break and see, you know, it's funny to say, but not all quarterbacks throw the same type of ball. You know, some come out a little different. You know, the spin is different. So it's just so he can get used to, you know, catching those things um, from all different kind of route and angles and things like that. As we all probably know by now, John Gruden visited the Saints earlier this offseason to sit with coaches and staff and quarterbacks and go over some of the things he knows about Derek Carr. And this is the first time we have heard Derek Carr address it. So here it is. I can't express enough, you know, how much I love, you know, Coach Gruden. You know, he's he's family to me. Um, you know, when all that you know stuff happened, it was hard. It was hard for me because um, you know, you, you're mad, you're frustrated, um, but you know, you still 
stop you don't stop loving him you know uh, you know I love that man and what he's meant to me in my career um, played my best football with him and uh, you know I admire him you know I, I've I've seen him around his kids you know I've seen him around Cindy you know uh, his wife you know I I know who he is you know and I you know love him deeply like family so you know, I can't express to you how much that how much he means to me you know and how hard of a time that was for me uh, when all that stuff was happening. So, um, you know, I, the fact that I got to see him again, you know, give him a hug, like, it was like, you know, he's saying, I'm finishing this sentence, you know, you know, all this kind of stuff. It just comes back just like that. You know, he's like, what was this play? And, I, you know, I could spit it out just like it was yesterday. You know, it's like, you know, I, I you know, what, what could have been, you know, you think about those times, you know, what could have been and all those kind of stuff. But I'm thankful to be here and I'm thankful that I got to see him you know, wearing our colors, you know, it was, uh, neither of us thought a couple years ago that we'd be doing that, but here we are. And, uh, you know, it was pretty, pretty special to have him around, um, you know, to have, you know, a couple of my head coaches, DA and grew in the same room is awesome because they both know me and you can hear them just, you know, communicate and, you know, things like that. It was pretty cool. And here's Carr giving some specifics on, you know, what John Gruden influences with a Derek Carr, Mike Thomas, Chris Olave offense might look like. Yeah. Like, all speed option, triple option, wing tee. No, <laughs> um, you know, I, it, it's just another great, great football mind, you know, um, and I just thought it was cool. Like, you know, I've always believed this, you know, Coach Olson, you know, Greg Olson taught me this, Oli. I, I was going to say Oli. I didn't know if y'all know that. Um, but Oli always said to me, he's like, I, and I always say it, it's like, it's not about, you know, who's right. It's about what's right. And so anytime you can just gain more information I, I, if, if you throw a hundred things at me but only one thing stick well one thing got me better you know um, and so you know having all those minds in the room it's just cool to listen and just have that football communication that talk you when you're in a room with people that love the game the same way and see it the same way you know a lot of people love football but not everybody sees it the same way you know trust me you know uh, you know we we don't all see it the same way but when you do see it the same way it's fun to be in that room uh, because I feel like that everyone could be at their best. You know, everyone's ideas make sense to each other. Everyone's receiving, you know, ideas, even if it's new. Um, and it, it was just cool to just sit there and enjoy enjoy the time, you know, enjoy being around each other. Here's Derek addressing, you know, all of what happened in 2020, how it affected the team, that sort of thing. You know, I, I tried my best. You know, we had a lot going on. Um, you know, if you didn't know, like everyone could look up that season. We had a lot of stuff happen, and uh, with our football team, and and my my mentality with all of it from a football aspect was nobody cares. You know, they don't, nobody cares what I what I'm dealing with. Nobody cares what what just happened with our team. We got to go win football games. So I really didn't get time to process anything. But during that, I was like, you know what? I have two choices. I can either be mad about it, or I can choose to love them. And yes, I can be mad at certain things that were said or certain things that were done or decisions that were made. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. Like my choice was I was gonna love them because if no one else was, I was gonna love them. If nobody else was gonna love them, no one else was gonna put their arm around them, I'm gonna be the one that put my arm around them because maybe 10 years down the road, they remember that and I can help them somehow, you know. And uh, you know, and I'm not just talking about Gruden, there's a lot, a lot of stuff that was happening. So, um, so for me, like after games, like, I remember I threw a touchdown on a certain play against the Eagles and me and Gruden were neighbors and I came home and he was still living there at the time and I, I walked over to his house and I was like, hey, that was your play, T96, blah, blah, He was like, what? And you know, you, know, you could see it's just the emotion on his face, you know. I wanted him to still feel a part of it, you know, because I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for him. And so um, I just tried to, even when 
things aren't perfect, you still try. I, at least I try my best to continue to love, you know, the people that I'm called to love, you know, and give them everything that I have. And so it didn't, it didn't necessarily change. I, I just, I just knew that he wasn't, he wasn't my coach, you know, at that time anymore. And that was hard. And here's more on how the decision got made to bring Gruden in, in the first place. They had mentioned it. Um, obviously, like, do you like him? You know, like, you know, that, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but that was all. That was all. Da and the coaching staff, like, and Mickey and those guys, like, that's that wasn't that wasn't me. You know, I mean, it makes sense. You know, I played my best football for him. You know, so if anybody, I, I trust me. I spent a lot of time with him, and so if anybody anybody knows me, uh, knows things about me that I don't know, he would know it. You know, him and him and Ole and Johnny Mo, they they would know uh, out of anybody in the world. So. Um, you know, those guys, because of the most, it was the most recent also, you know, I've grown so much since a few years before that, you know, so, um, you know, I think that that would, from a football aspect, just trying to get, you know, that next day, you don't want to start down here, you know, what, what's another step we can take on understanding Derek during game? They can ask questions that I can't answer, you know, how's Derek react after this or how's he do, you know, I can't, I'm going I'm to think I'm going to answer it right, but Guru will tell the truth. <laughs> All right, so that was that was Derek Carr on Tuesday. That was, was about t- 10 minutes more of that interview that I cut out. He played a good bit of it yesterday, so I cut out the parts about him talking about Mike Thomas. He obviously did talk a good bit about Mike Thomas, but if you want to hear that, you can go check it out in uh, the Wednesday morning edition of the podcast. But I do want to get into a bunch of the other stuff he said, and I thought that the Eric McCoy parts of his answers were interesting because one of the differences we're going to see this year compared to last year is Derek Carr is going to be setting the protections. Derek Carr is going to be the one pointing out the mic and, and setting the mic and setting, you know, how the, how the offense is going to operate uh, and the protection is going to operate. But Eric McCoy is still kind of in that mode of calling out the protections because that's what he's done. And when Derek said, it's like, well, at least he's right. <laughs> I guess it's not a bad thing if he's right. Um, but that is kind of, kind of fun. And he also pointed out that Eric McCoy is very, effort driven. Um, and he pointed out that, you know, he's going through film talking about how, you know, he's sent a clip to Eric McCoy of him getting downfield and, and blocking and said, you know, if everyone plays like this, we're going to win a lot of games. And, uh, you know, he obviously does that all the time. So, you know, it's not something that you're going to talk a lot about, but Eric said that the clip he sent was from 2020. And I'm pretty sure that the clip we're talking about is the one against the Packers with Alvin Kamara on that 50-yard run where Alvin's basically jogging and Eric is is full sprint out in front of him, <laughs> plowing the road. Because, yeah, I think if you saw that, if you're a quarterback and you saw that type of effort, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm encouraging this. And that's what Derek has been doing to this point is watching film, kind of learning about the players he's going to be now teammates with. And then as he sees stuff, and he's mentioned this in his in the previous press conferences, he's sending clips to them and saying, yes, do this. This is great. We want to keep doing this. He's not sending the don't do this clips yet. Um, but I think that's a good example of that. And it's also a good example of something that Eric, what makes Eric McCoy such a great player beyond just being a good center is he does get downfield. He does block. He does plow the road. That Alvin Kamara touchdown doesn't happen if he's not there. You know, it's still like a 20, 30-yard run. But it, it's a touchdown because of the effort Eric McCoy made to get downfield. So I don't think that's, I don't think we're overselling that to, at, at all. No, and I mean that makes me smile thinking about that play. We just we didn't see any of that kind of last season. I felt like, uh, especially from Alvin, unfortunately, the those big explosive plays kind of deal, and 
uh, that that definitely needs to return this season, obviously. But yeah, with Derek Carr, you know, hearing him too, there's there's just something about his presence as well that's I don't know, very relaxing, or you kind of yeah. like lean in a little more to to hear what he's got to say, kind of thing. Yeah, he's the type of guy that when he's talking to a room of people, you feel like he's talking directly to you. And and I don't know how to quantify that, but it's very true. Like he does, he makes you feel like it's all just a group of friends talking. Um, And in those press conference settings, I know like people listening probably haven't been in them, but it's not always like that. You know, it's a lot of times it's combative. A lot of times it's people like not really listening to your question and answering it anyway. And it's and it's like everyone does it differently. I think quarterbacks have to be trained a little bit in that regard because they have to do it all the time. And so yeah. it's a lot more noticeable. Like if I, I talked to Jordan Howden in the locker room after the second set of OTAs, and you know, it's like he's a rookie. It was very clear that he's still kind of figuring out how to do this. You don't really have to do that in college, especially as a safety. You're not talking to the media that much. And so you're kind of learning as a quarterback, you have to do it at least once a week every post game like you better get good at it otherwise it's gonna be very clear and it's gonna reflect on you and people are gonna be like well why do you say this why do you say that this is awkward oh no what does this mean you know you got to be good at it and he, he is good at it and as i mentioned before we we listened to that i thought the john gruden answer i mean he could have given you a pc like you know blah 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 he did it and you know he he went into it and he explains like yes i don't hate the guy you know and and he mentioned that that season for the Raiders was very rough. It was also the Henry Rugg season where he he got arrested for, you know, I think it was uh, involuntary manslaughter or like, you know, whatever. He, he hit someone's car. Uh, it, it's a whole ordeal. I'm not going to lay it out here. You can go look it up if you want more details. But, yeah, that was a trying season for that team. And at the time, it, he talked to me. He said a lot of the same things, which is like, I'm not here to be the the, the judge and jury of this situation. I'm here to you know, love people. And, you know, I think that's a, that's an interesting approach. He also pointed out that it was not him asking for them to bring John Gruden in. It was the front office and the coaching staff who organized that and and brought him in. And one other thing he said was if anybody knows something about Derek that he doesn't know himself, it would be John Gruden. And that alone should be a good enough answer for like, was it worth bringing in John Gruden and maybe courting some of the chaos that ensued? Yes. Because he does have that information and you can hear the way Derek talks about it. Like he did feel like that. He he said he played his best football. Like we've all kind of said he played his best football under John Gruden. I think it means a lot more when the guy himself says that he was the best version of himself as a football player under John Gruden. So, you know, I like I was interested to hear his kind of take on that situation. And, you know, I I was not shortchanged because I thought that was an excellent answer from him. No, that was definitely one when it was asked, you're like, ooh, what's going to happen here? Because it's a little uncomfortable, not a great, you know, obvious situation, what happened with John Gruden and his departure from the NFL. So it was a little uncomfortable, but the way Carr talked about it made it a lot more relatable, uh, made it more more of a comfortable topic to discuss. And yeah, I I mean, it was good to hear that side of it because there there has been a lot of negative buzz around Gruden coming to visit the Saints. He hasn't been hired. Uh, and, and I get it from folks. It, it wasn't – it's not an easy topic to talk about. But uh, with his – what happened in the past there with the emails or whatever, they were just mining his knowledge of Derek Carr and that offense where, like you said, he had – it was the best version of himself. So why wouldn't you get more detail – 
and want to implement that in your system kind of thing. It's not anything where the Saints are taking on John Gruden's uh, past doings kind of thing. I, I don't know. It's all in all an awkward situation that I feel I'm glad it's not something that's constantly ongoing that we have to answer to. Like Gruden's in the building all the time. By the time training camp starts, it will be a topic that everyone's like, oh, remember when everyone was talking about John Gruden for like three days? Um, You know, I I think we're going to move on. But, you know, and and it probably sounds like I'm kind of geeking out about Derek Carr and all of these podcasts. And trust me, that was not the goal when I started this whole OTA process. Like, I was just curious. But I've just been impressed. I mean, everything he has done, he's looked sharp, right? He He looks like a guy who did not just show up. You know, you see those videos from Bucks training camp of, of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask just airballing receivers, right? And it's like, that's just not something we have seen. Like, balls have hit the ground in at Saints camp, but, you know, it's still been like, okay, yeah, that was a, that was a good read. It was a good throw. He's, he's handled it well. He talks like a guy who's been here forever. He, he, he presents himself as a leader. You can tell that his teammates see him that way and believe in him that way already. I mean, like, it, I, I know this is overhype season. This is when you get way too excited about stuff, when you're seeing everyone on the field in shorts looking great because they're all professional athletes, as they should. Uh, and you're talking – you suddenly talk yourself into two or three more wins than maybe you thought. But, like, if you were wondering whether the, the stumbling block was going to be Derek Carr and the way he acclimated to this city and system and team and roster, I think that question's been answered. I, I really do. Yeah, I would say the comfort level has been super high. The the, the transition here uh, all around for Carr has been seamless. And I'm, I'm with you, too. It's like you don't want to blow things way out, of, way out of proportion. But, I mean, it's been nothing but positive, glowing reviews so far. Obviously, mandatory mini camps upcoming. And then the big boy, when training camp comes on, you know, when the pads are on and everything's going on, we'll see more from it. But... Yeah, Derek Carr has done everything and more right now of what you've wanted from a new quarterback coming into this system and taking over as the leader uh, of your squad. And, yeah, just when you're looking forward to his press conference kind of thing, it's like, oh, great, he's talking today. That's already a bonus because, yeah, like I said last year, the the Andy Dalton sessions weren't too very too entertaining or even uh, you didn't gain anything out of them as a reporter. Yeah, and I, and I, I look forward to his press conferences. Um, the same way I look forward to like an Alvin Kamara press conference. Like, you know, you're going to get content as, as a reporter. You know, you're going to get something that you can sink your teeth into. And that's not this. That's not something you could save everybody. Um, one thing I do want to mention before we get out of here, and I don't think I gave it enough due yesterday, is you're talking about Derek Carr looks sharp in training camp. Jameis Winston, I thought, had an excellent day uh, in the seven on sevens. He went four for four with three touchdowns and another completion, which would have been like down to the one. And he looked good. Like he looks like he's on point. And, you know, I don't think he's going to, it's not going to, it's not a competition in camp between him and Derek Carr. But I think it is a competition to some extent between him and Jake Hayner as you kind of say, okay, you know, where, where's the backup? And I think Jake has looked fine, but Jameis, I think, you know, when you're talking about the, the quality of backup quarterbacks across the NFL, and I've said this, I think the Saints probably have the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And, if you you know, we've seen it, right? We've seen Trevor Simeon start games. We've seen Teddy Bridgewater start games. We've seen Taysom Hill start games. We've seen Andy Dalton start games. 
what are the odds that you go 17 games this season and Jameis doesn't get on the field? Feels slim. So, you know, that's something that, you know, you could say, oh, who cares? But, you know, a guy who's been in the offense for four seasons now and and understands yeah. the schemes and can do it on, you know, as, as a reflex, that's a luxury. And he looks locked in right now. So that's yeah, and that's obviously, obviously with him, he talked about too when we got to speak with Jameis about the fact that he's preparing the same way, whether he's the starter or the backup, just getting ready to be ready whenever called upon. And yeah, it's a great point of the fact that we're not seeing him lumbering at all. There's not any kind of gimp to his step. He seems to be fully healed, at least. I know he talked about there's still some things he's trying to get back from, but overall, he he doesn't look like he's struggling on the field that like like we saw in the past. No, and then so the to to back that up, the eleven on elevens, he had four reps. One was a run. There was a false start, but I think it was on the center. He made he completed two balls to Malik Flowers, which is good to see him getting in into the action. And uh, one was for a touchdown. It might have been out of bounds, but it was still a good throw. Like the only question was whether Malik made the wide receiver play of getting your feet inbounds. It was a it was a dart to the back of the end zone as the play kind of broke down. And then the incompletion was a back shoulder throw to A.T. Perry, which we've talked about. It's not really doing the job there right now. So, I, And I don't think it was the issue was the throw. Um, just like Jay Kaners, I don't think the issue was the throw. But either way, I'm happy to see him, you know, kind of putting his flag in the ground and being like, no, this is – I'm owning this backup role because he has he has so far. And you never question the, 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 the leadership from him in that position. So, you know, I think he said the Saints have the best quarterback room in the NFL top to bottom. If they perform – all year, like they looked yesterday in that in that in that practice, you know, I like it. And and we always say it's worth mentioning the offense always starts a little bit faster than the defense because the defense isn't allowed to hurt you <laughs> until until the game start. So they're at a little bit of a disadvantage. They can't hit you. They can't they can't separate you from the ball the way they want to. All they can do is make hands plays on the ball. So yeah, know, I think it, it was the first organized team activity where we saw Olave go up for that ball, and it's like. Well, Marcus May probably could have tattooed him right there. Yeah, there was a play. Well, one of those completions that there was a one of those completions I just talked about to Malik Flowers. You know, it was just an in route. If he makes if he throws that ball and he makes that catch in a game, you know, you're lucky if he survives it, let alone makes the catch. I mean, he might come off the field with a concussion. Like that's the type of, you know, like there was someone there ready to blow him up and they have to peel off, right? Like that's just how it works. But still, you're you're just getting timing down and you know, I, I like I think Malik Flowers looks pretty good. You know, I think he's probably a guy that ends up on the practice squad. But, you know, it's good to see him getting some getting some you know, chemistry with the, with the quarterbacks. Saints having some luck with these, you know, return guys turning into, you yeah. know, flash receivers. Yeah, it's nothing new. They do it every year. So it's right. just like you kind of watch it and wait because it's like, OK, when is it going to happen? It's going to happen anyway. All right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We do a quick segment on the. Stock up, stock down. We're just going to pick one player for each and go forward. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's how we're going to close out this episode. So if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do that. Give us a rating. Give us a review. If you are if you haven't subscribed on YouTube and you want to do that, I highly recommend it. It's a good time. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak and Steve Geller over there at Steve Geller WWL. That's G-E-L-L-E-R, not like Sarah Michelle. All right, y'all. Stick around. And we're back. 
here on Inside Black and Gold. And as promised, we're going to get to the Saints stock watch. Thankfully, a bit better than the actual stock watch of reality, which I don't want to talk about because my investments are not going well. But (laughs) any investment you have in the Saints these days is going to feel good. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And so, yeah, let's just get right into it, Steve. Who would you say is your let, let's let's start with the stock down players let's start with the bad end with the good who Ooh. would you say is your stock down player after three practices and, and keep in mind you know we got three practices over the past three weeks we're gonna get three practices in three days next week so this really means nothing beyond i think this player has a bit that you know they, they're coming into mini camp with more to prove like they have to show up and do better um which they should they like they very well could so don't take this as, oh, we're out on this player. Take this as this guy did not help his stock, maybe struggled a bit at OTAs and needs to pick it up. So who would your stock down player be after three OTA practices? No, like you said, it's not like I'm totally off of this player at all and think he's not going to make the team. But uh, picking on a rookie in six-round draft pick, A.T. Perry, who's had a pretty tough go in these early goings, the, you know, Coming in, you kept hearing about strong hands, contested catches, and we really haven't seen that in those three sessions that we've gotten to see. You mentioned him, you know, obviously that last segment of should have coming down with that ball in the end zone from Jameis Winston. Really unfortunate because it was a real, it looked like a perfect pass uh, in the situation there. And he just, I don't know. Maybe he'll come alive when the pads are on, kind of thing. But uh, six foot three, two hundred five, uh, just hasn't really caught my eye enough for the right reasons. No, I think that's that's a good answer. And yeah, I've 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 talked about it, and, and you know, like Marcus Colson had a very rough start to his first training yeah, camp as well. Point, People right. pointed that out, and he's a six round pick, right? Like. He's not a guy you would anticipate just shows up and balls out from day one, or at least, you know, it's not something you would expect. Maybe he could, but you're not going to be like, wow, he has no chance because he didn't show up day one and and just moss everybody. <laughs> that said, he's got to be better. You got to make the team first. Like, that's got to be your first priority. And right now, I, if, if you had to pick the roster today, if you had to pick a 53-man roster today, he would not be on it. Agreed. And, uh, you know, that's not a crazy thing to say about a sixth round pick. Jordan Jackson didn't make the roster last year. He was a sixth round pick. So, you know, it's, it's, you got to go out there and earn it. And I think this is a deep roster. There might be some cracks in it more so this year than, than years past, where you can maybe find some extra spots on there. But this st- stiff competition. And so you're going to have to figure that out. The guy I would say came in with all the, I don't want to say hype, but he came in with all the excitement around him. Uh, is a UDFA, is Nick Anderson. Um, I like Nick Anderson a lot, but you know, everyone wants to see Nick Anderson make this roster. All the locals want to see Nick Anderson make the roster, but what people need to remember is he's not going to make the roster because he's got a fun story. <laughs> the saints don't do that. They don't it's just like, they didn't pick Tajay Spears when he was on the board. They picked Kendra Miller, a guy who hasn't even been able to practice yet because he's got a knee injury, right? If they were concerned about, you know, health that Tajay was right there. So like, they're not going to do anything for Nick that they wouldn't do for anybody else just because he's got a fun story. And yesterday, and I like all I can go off of is the three, the three practices we saw, right? Like I'm not going to make any extra analysis on, okay, maybe he's doing really well in the classroom. Maybe he's doing this. All I saw yesterday was 
him getting picked on in team drills in coverage, right? And for him to make this roster to latch on as a, even as a practice squad guy, he's going to have to show that he can cover because he is an undersized linebacker. He can't be a Sam. I don't think he profiles to the mic. I think he is a will or nothing or maybe a converted safety, maybe a Landon Collins type player, but you got to be able to cover tight ends. And those were the players that were beating him up. We talked about Jesse James catching a touchdown. It was over Nick Anderson, right? You got to be able to compete there. And he hasn't, again, he's not wearing pads. He's not able to hit anybody. So he's got a lot of time to make an impact. But if, if you were hopeful to see him kind of go out and make a bunch of splash plays the way Jordan Howden has, that has not been the case. So he's my stock down player right now. I think it's a little unfair, but I had to pick somebody, and he's it for me. One other player who might be an honorable mention, and I can give you one of these as well. And it's again, it's it's very unfair, uh, but it's Eno Benjamin. And I don't know what he's dealing with from a health perspective, but man, these are the practices where you had a chance to show up. And 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 prove like you've got something, you got some juice, and he just hasn't been able to contribute. And I'm like, I'm not gonna hold the injury against him, but like this, your Alvin's gonna be there next week, right? You know, like the the, the running backs are gonna start filling in. Kendra Miller's gonna be available eventually. Right. When you are had you- this time to start getting some work in and you're not doing nothing. Right. Like this is this was a prime opportunity where it's basically Jamal Williams and a bunch of UDFAs. This was when you could have like kind of made some inroads and he just wasn't able to do it. So, you know, to me, that's some stock down of, uh, you know, maybe he could have shown up and made some splash plays over these couple days where he was basically the only guy in town along with the newcomer in Jamal and he just wasn't able to. So he's another guy that like, again, we're not going off of much, but that's something where it's like, I, this is when I wanted to see him and he hasn't been out there. No. And he's just all around been a big question, obviously, even when he was, you know, healthy last year, we didn't see him get much run at all. It, exactly. And I don't know what the injury is. He wasn't injured at the end of last season. So he what could he much. be dealing with now? I, I don't know. He has been out there. He has been participating from that perspective. So it's like you can't complain about that. I just think it's disappointing for a guy like that who I think has an uphill climb to potentially make this roster to begin with. He's going to have to do it on special teams. He's going to have to do it in ways that are not RB1. And you just haven't seen it. So that's my other stock down guy. Yeah, the, the stock down market, it's really tough to, you know, pull names at this point uh, just because of the limited viewing and the fact that we just we're not seeing much going on. But, yeah, we're just giving you what we've, we've kind of seen kind of thing. And, yeah, for me, other than, like I said, Perry, really there hasn't been another guy that's been such a huge letdown for me. So I don't I don't I don't have an honorable mention for. Uh, stock down. I did have one for stock up who you just mentioned though. With we'll, Jordan get, we'll get into that in a, we'll get into that yeah. in a second. One more I'll give you. Um, and it's only because of opportunity. It's Keith Kirkwood. I don't oh, know why. Right there. Derek Carr's right. been throwing to him a lot. Derek Carr has been giving him opportunities. He just hasn't made them. Yeah. And like this was a chance for Keith Kirkwood to maybe steal a spot on the roster. He made some splash plays. He got targeted twice in the end zone. He couldn't make the catch. You know, maybe there was a hold on one of them. Still fight through that, make the catch. You know, so 
uh, I don't even think it's technically stocked down, but it's more of a missed opportunity. I think I would classify it as because I was talking to Nick Underhill and I was like, somebody needs to go tell Derek Keith Kirkwood is in his top target. He's gotten chances, you know, in ways that I did not expect. Kawan Baker's also got a few targets and he's made those catches. He's gotten open. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're on the Keith Kirkwood train, which I like Keith Kirkwood a lot, probably a missed opportunity for him. Yeah, I feel like even like a Traquan has done more than Keith Kirkwood at this point. Spoilers. I talked about Traquan in in the last episode, so he's not technically going to be my stock up player, but we'll start with him because I do want to hear, let you hear what Dennis Allen said about him and know that his stock is definitely up. And we don't even have to talk about it because he caught three touchdowns yesterday. Look, I think Traquan's another one of those guys that, that, you know, over the last couple of years, man, he's, he's, he's had to do a lot of the dirty work. Um, and I don't know that he has been at full health for the last couple of years. I think, He's healthy right now, um, and so I see him being a being a you know valuable piece of what we're trying to get accomplished. And and uh, look, I think there's going to be some good competition in that receiver room. And yeah, I, I like every, you go into every offseason being like, maybe this is the year Traquan gets cut. If he plays the way he did yesterday, and he has the type of energy he did yesterday, and he stays healthy, he's making this roster. Yeah, that's definitely one that I've for whatever reason he always draws. My ire. I'm always out to get Traquan, it seems like. I think we we probably picked on him a lot last year, too. But, yeah, you, you can't argue with what he's done at this point. And the fact that he's got the experience, obviously, in this system is going to make him a tougher out. And I feel like he's had good chemistry with Jameis. It'll be interesting to see how it develops more uh, with Derek Carr. Again, but more, more chemistry with Drew than he did with Jameis, personally. I mean – it's easy to forget Traquan Smith caught two touchdowns in the divisional playoff game in 2020. He caught a touchdown pass in a, in a must win game in 2021 uh, from Trevor Simeon against the Falcons. I think it was Trevor Simeon. Also, it might've been Taysom Hill. I can't recall. It was in that game that Taysom Hill got hurt and Trevor Simeon took over. That was the game the saints desperately had to win. And at the time it felt like that, that was a win that got them to the playoffs. Obviously the Rams did not cooperate and blew, blew the lead to the 49ers. But, like, he's made big catches in big moments. He's had a 10-catch game. So, like, when you talk about, you know, Bobby Hebert always wants to say skin's on the wall, right? <laughs> like, that's – like, ha- have you done it before? He has. And, you know, I don't know – like, that. the fact that he does all the dirty work, too, makes it a lot easier to keep him on the roster. But he has also contributed. If he can be more consistent, you feel like, yeah, it makes sense to keep him around. And he's catching touchdown passes from Jake Hayner. He's looking good. He's spiking it over the over the goalposts. I think his stock is definitely up. But that was kind of just the the catch-all. Who is your kind of official stock-up player from the first three days of OTAs? You mentioned Jordan Howden. He's definitely one of those guys that, to me, has impressed. I I like the pursuit I've seen, his change of direction even, the breaking on his ball, the ball, uh, been good in coverage. The safety was a fifth-round pick out of Minnesota. But number one for me is a a fifth-rounder from last year and linebacker DeMarco Jackson. I think he's taken – advantage of those opportunities some other guys you know we've talked about haven't been where this is the time they need to step it up uh jackson you see that speed sideline to sideline uh he's broken up some passes uh and just really mainly been working uh with the second team defense i'll say you know at middle linebacker at the moment but a guy that i'm interested very much to see more of and and excited for demarco because he missed obviously all of last year so it's like a red shirt year for him you know, I, I agree with that. I think he, DA said yesterday he's been working out the mic. 
um, which makes sense. I think he does profile as a Mike linebacker. And that's good because I think you do need to figure out if Demario Davis misses a game, who takes over? You know, do you move Pete Warner over there and figure it out? I don't think so. I think you're actually weaker at the depth behind Pete Warner and you yeah. want to keep him at the will and that kind of volume tackler kind of idea. So who would take over if Demario misses a game? I don't know who would take over if Pete Warner misses a game either. So like the kind of ironing out that depth is going to be a big question in training camp. And it's going to kind of determine whether you kind of need to go out and find somebody and bring them in. Right now, I don't think you're you're planning to do that because I think DeMarco has had a good start. So I think that's a good pick. You mentioned I, behind, I, you mentioned behind Warner and real quick coming to mind, maybe Orgy, but we haven't seen enough, obviously. Yeah, I think it's it's tough to get a really good read on Orgy. I don't know if he is a if he's a will. I think he's more of a uh, you know. I think he's going to compete with Demarco. I just don't know if he can cover. I think that's been kind of the question about him yeah. coming out of Vanderbilt. It's one of the reasons he didn't get drafted is I don't know if he is that kind of cover linebacker. I would look more toward Nephi Sewell, maybe Nick Anderson for that job, and then you know someone's got to play Sam. Someone's got to contribute on special teams and be a kind of dual threat there. So. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Uh, I think Orgy moves really well. Just don't know if the coverage instincts are there. So we'll, we'll figure that out. But there was a few options that, that I kind of looked at for, for the stock up player. Um, Lucas Krull is a guy who I think, you know, I, I don't know if you can say stock up because I think his stock felt like it was high last year because he's impressive as a pass catcher. He moves. You see him running around. You're like, man, that guy, that guy can, can fly. But that's not the question with him. The question is, can he block, you know? And that's what's going to be the determining factor of does he get on the field at some point. But you can definitely see the vision for him as a potential receiving tight end. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Like I said, one of the segments when we were talking about tight end, suddenly that group seems a lot more, has a lot more depth than we anticipated, I think. Yeah, it went from it went from who the hell is going to play tight end to like, oh man, there's so many tight ends. Who, who out are we going to keep? Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's getting cut? You know, and uh, I thought Malik Flowers had a good day yesterday. He would be an option, but I think the, the 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 correct answer for stock up has to be Blake Groupie. Everyone's like, who? I mean, I outweigh this guy by fifty pounds. He's five seven one. <laughs> let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the listing on the roster, which they typically will weigh these guys soaking wet, right? Like, yeah, (laughs) they're not underselling weights on this roster. Blake Groupie is listed as 5'7", 156. Now, he's a kicker. You don't have to go out there and make tackles, although in some instances, it's nice when you can. He's not going to be confused for Thomas Morstead. That's for sure. He's not going to be confused for Lou Headley. That's for sure. Guy who was definitely punting it off the ceiling yesterday. Got a cannon for a leg. But what he did do is go out there at the end of the final OTA practice. This is the first time we've really seen him kick. He yeah. went five for five, and his final kick was either 58 or 59 yards, and it had it had some space over the bar. Right. Now, this is indoors. There's no wind. It's a controlled environment. This is no pressure. There's no game pressure. But, you know, that kick was about a third of his weight if you compared the yardage to the, to the pounds. And... If you're going in and you're saying, okay, Will, you're, I don't think Will's going to lose the job out of camp. But if Will has the type of struggles he had last year and suddenly you're like, man, we got to find something. You know, I think you, you, you look at this guy and you're like, okay, I can, I can see the vision. And 
that's a big jump up from a stock perspective from where I was seeing that guy in the locker room and thinking maybe he was one of the players like nephews or something. He's so small. Uh, right. It's like you, you saw Mario Davis's kid hanging out. You're like, hey, who's this kid? About the same size. <laughs> Mario Davis's kid is like 10. <laughs> but I'm definitely impressed, obviously, being able to hit 58, 59 yards because, like you said, not an imposing – I don't want to say, you know, that, like kickers have to be these huge guys no. either. But but I, it just amazes me. You think 5'7", and you're, you're still able to get that kind of swing or momentum from your kick. I, I don't know really the, the dynamics of what goes into it, honestly, but it's it definitely impressive. I thought, obviously, being 6 for 6 on the day – Going out with that bang on the long one, he was he would be honorable mention for me for sure. And he's and he's a rookie kicker. You you would profile that he probably will get a little stronger. And I don't know if that's going to affect your kick distance, but I think as you as you're a professional kicker, it should, right? Like at, you, you should be able to to maybe get some more yardage a few years into your career from compared to where you are on the first three practices of your NFL career. So. You know, I, I think they cut Alex Quevedo. They like Blake Groupie. I don't think he's going to make the roster. I don't think it's really going to be a competition in camp between him and Will Lutz. But you know, I think you're you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, maybe we maybe we have a a, a stash here, and you're gonna you're gonna look at him. But from a if we're talking about stock, I think he opened a lot of eyes with that with that kicking session, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna go from there. And definitely, we we obviously you talk about injuries to anybody, but you have to have that short list of players sometimes you know, that list of guys to go to. And I'm sure they'd still bring in maybe some other veterans to work out kind of thing, but you know what you have in this kid right now. And yeah, it could be something that they call upon if Lutz struggles, if he gets hurt kind of thing. And uh, yeah, we'll just see how Groupie continues to develop uh, going forward in training camp. Another uh, another Notre Dame guy uh, added to the roster. Well, not added yeah. to the roster, but brought in right now this year. He's technically on the roster right now. We'll close this out with a guy who I think his stock has stayed the same, but that still feels low, um, and that needs to change over the next month, two months, because he's going to be a very important piece on this roster, and that's Peyton Turner. Here's what uh, Dennis Allen had to say about kind of what his expectations are, what he has to do. With a lot of these guys, um, you know, they're out here every day, and they're working, uh, and they're continuing to get better, and Peyton's no different than any of the other guys, and I think Really, for all of this, I don't think this is about trying to make a final evaluation on anything. This is just how am I getting better each day that I come out here. And uh, um, I think all of our guys are working to do that. What's the biggest thing he needed to work on besides improved health? Well, I I think that's number one. It's really hard to make an assessment uh, because he hasn't been available enough. And and so he certainly has the talent. you know, and so it's really about being out here and being able to be available every day. And I think that's something we get into, you know, like it's not necessarily the availability in games either. It's the availability to practice. Like you talk about three years in, you can't make an evaluation on this guy. It's not because he hasn't played in games. It's because there's points where he's just not available to practice and you're not getting the type of looks at him that you need to be getting. And so to me, you know, I want to see him out there. I want to see him participating all throughout camp. I want to see him staying healthy and working hard. And, you know, that when you get to this point and you're still hearing that, you start to question the commitment level for a guy. And to me, you know, that does drop your stock. But he has been out there every day. We've been at OTAs. He has been working. 
maybe this is the year you kind of turn that around. I'd like to come back and do another version of this later in the preseason where I'm saying stock way up. And uh, so, because that's going to be a big question, I think, on the defensive line, which I would argue is still probably the biggest question mark of this roster is, is okay, who's going to contribute? Who's going to be in that rotation? You know, Cam Jordan's there. Who's, who's starting across from? Is it Carl Granderson? Is it Peyton Turner? Uh, you know, are you kicking somebody out from the inside? I, I don't know. Uh, I think Colin Saunders has the body type where he can kick out. Uh, we'll find that out. But I think that's going to be a big question. Yeah, with Turner, he's kind of my, you know, kicking – whatever you want to say, uh, guy I'm, I've been down on, like on offense, it's been Traquan. For me on the defensive side, Turner obviously not being able to stay healthy. Uh, we just haven't really seen much from him at all, at least with a guy even like Marcus Davenport when he was on the field. There were times he dominated offensive linemen and you saw him being able to you know push them around kind of thing. For me, Peyton Turner, uh, I don't know. I've got one really big highlight from him and that's the, the block kick and against the Falcons in week one. Other than that, there's a few sacks here and there, but nothing that I w- was really impressed by from him. So, yeah, he's a guy that I'm hoping, too, that we're talking about more come training camp or whenever we do our, our stock update and, yeah, the arrow's going way up with him because, yeah, definitely needs to in that rotation along the D-line. You mentioned, you know, there's guys like Passigno and whatnot, uh, Granderson, but you spent the first-round pick on this guy. He's got He's got to be – on the field and available. I, I agree with that. And, you know, you talk about Marcus Davenport. And I think if you want to compare him to anybody in terms of a, I'm not sure about his commitment level and how much he actually enjoys the game of football. Right. It's so I think crazy. It, that's how I'd compare him to. Cause I never was convinced that Marcus Davenport really enjoyed the game of football. You know, I was always questioning like, is he working hard? You know, does he care? Cause you know, and he's a little aloof, and and you kind of got that impression. And I don't know, some some players are just like that. Some guys, you know, might seem that way and you don't see what happens behind the scenes. But then you have an entire season where you have a half sack and you're like, and to me, something's for, not computing here. Uh, to me with Davenport, yeah. he had so much self-doubt and I don't think he ever got over that. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, the imposter syndrome, I'm sure, is pretty, pretty strong there. Um, but yeah, I think that's where we can wrap it up. It's been a... I think we've covered a lot of ground in this episode, got a lot of mileage out of it. Um, this is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to be out there back on what, Tuesday. I think the practices for minicamp are Tuesday, Tuesday Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday. We're going to be out there for all three of those days. So, you know, there's going to be a good bit of, of content to pull out of it. I know Steve is is taken off, so might be some solo environments here on the on the pod, but we'll get it done. Yeah, unfortunately, had this plan before dates came out with camp when, and uh, – out of everything to miss, it's like, great, now I'm missing mandatory minicamp uh, when there's three sessions to access. <laughs> That's all right. I'll, 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 I'll suffer. I'll suffer through. Um, but, yeah, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Hit the subscribe button. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We have a Twitter account now. Go check it out at Saints underscore pod. Easy to remember. And, uh, yeah, we'll be coming at you early next week for, you know, more Saints practice content. As always, check out WWL.com for the latest content. And uh, thanks, y'all. I guess you got to say now, too, like, subscribe, and follow. Like, subscribe, and follow. Who that? <laughs>